Come on, you can be seated. You can be seated. Thank you so much for allowing me to come and to be a part of what God is doing here. I believe we're going to have a great time together today, and I believe that God's doing something special in the church. I really think that God has something special planned for this city. If you are not familiar with what God is doing in the United States right now, there are about 250,000 churches in the United States right now. 250,000 churches. That's a decline. We're, we're in a place right now where there are about 4,000 churches that are closing the doors every single year in America. We're, we're in a place where it's kind of challenging. But what's amazing, of the 250,000 churches, there are about 200,000 of them that are in this place of stagnant, just declining. They're not doing well. But there are about 50,000 churches that are brand new, that God's doing something fresh in, that are, that are kind of taking new ground, or willing to come to a city and say, you know, we're going to start something new, that are growing, that are thriving, much like this place. And I just want to say today how proud I am of, of what you're doing as a church and how you're jumping on board with something that's brand new. How many of y'all know five months old is, is young, right? Anybody here got any kids? Anybody here had a child? Come and show me those hands real quick. You got a child? Got a child? I got a nine-year-old and a seven-year-old. I remember five-month-old baby. If you remember five months, I remember when my son, he's my firstborn, came into the world. When he was handed to me that first moment. How many of y'all remember that moment you held your child for the first time? I had a Mufasa moment, everybody. I remember Lion King, Mufasa. I just, like the, the sun shone through the sky on him. And I had this moment where it was amazing. But most of you parents know that that first night is exciting. Like he, he came into the world. But the following six weeks, he's making a mess everywhere, right? The following six weeks, I hadn't slept. And I thought, what in the world have we done? And I want you to know that sometimes starting something new feels a little bit like that. Like, man, what in the world is happening? How are we going to make it through this? And I just want you to know that you got to keep on going because building a great church takes time. Building a great church family, building a family takes time. And I just want to honor you for jumping on board. You're an early adopter. And I believe that there's going to be a, a few years from now that you're going to look back and say, oh, my gosh, look what, look what God has done. I believe it's going to happen. And so I want you to look at your neighbor and say, you're an early adopter and I like you. Come on, tell them real quick. You're an early adopter and I like you. Now, <laughs> and if you're sitting next to somebody that's single and you're single, you just started the first date right there is what you did, okay? You just started the first date. And so good job. I'm a big fan. I've got lots of young people in my church and I'm always trying to hook them up, okay? Because I think... I think a brother needs a little help. Can I get an amen right there? I think, I think we do. And so don't despise, don't despise the small beginnings because I believe that God has great things in store for you. And I just want to honor you, Jason. I think, um, I think there's an anointing on your life. If you're unfamiliar with the word anointing, it just means that God has given you a gift to impact other people's lives. And I believe that Jen and Jason have a gift in their life to, to help other people get closer to God. That's, that's really what being a leader and being a minister is. It's not being special. It's not having something that's different than others. You're just gifted to connect people to God, to have this be this conduit for them. And I really believe you have a great gift. And I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what God is going to do here. And so today I have the privilege of kind of continuing this series, Friend of Sinners. And I love this idea because if you are a follower of Christ for any amount of time, if this is new for you or if you've been doing this for a few years, when you read the Bible, you discover that Jesus really is an equal opportunity offender when it comes to sinners, everybody. 
He calls us all sinners. We're all, we're all imperfect. We all got issues. I know, I know, I know. Like we, we come to church, we come to places like this, and we smile good. You put on your Sunday best. You put on your makeup, ladies. Come on, you're looking good on the way in. But we know that on the way in, we were thinking crazy thoughts. I've got young children on my way to church quite a, quite a few days going to church. I would walk into the building saying, praise God, hallelujah, amen, good to see you, smiling. But right three minutes earlier, I was about to kill my child in the car. Anybody here? right? Come on, let's just be real. So we're, a, we're in a place where if you've got issues, welcome. If you've got problems, welcome. If, you, if you've got a little dysfunction in your function, everybody, okay, like you got some issues, you're in a great place because here's the deal. We're all dealing with some things. And see, what so many people have misunderstood about Jesus is that he was never angry about our problems. He saw them and engaged. He saw them and said, hey, I want to get involved. I want to I be a part of what you're going through. And so if you are carrying an issue, okay, and now, I will say, there are some folks, I met a young man recently, I said, man, what are you, what are you struggling with? He, says, he just said, I don't have any issues. I said, you don't have any issues? I said, son, that is your issue right there. Like, you, you've gone into the world to think that you don't have problems or things to deal with. And so if you're a part of us, can I just say welcome to the club, everybody. Welcome to the family, because this is a place where you can just put one foot in front of the other. You can work on some things and get better, and you don't have to put on. You can be you. We would love you to be you. I have a saying around our church in New Orleans. We say that authenticity trumps perfection every day of the week. And so we just want you to be real. Be a real person. Uh, be somebody that we can talk to and hang out with. And I believe that if you are today, you'll meet an amazing group of people, and you'll love this time. So I want to kind of jump into, I think we're in a few parts in. Where are we at? Part two, part three. Part, we're in part three, a friend of sinners. And I want to take you to a scripture in the book of Matthew. It's going to be on screen, but Matthew chapter Four, we're going to read it and pray. Matthew chapter 4 and verse 18, it says, Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Would you read that line with me one more time? Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father. What a name, everybody. Zebedee. I like that one. It kind of kind of rolls off the tongue. They were, they were mending their nets, and he called them. And immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Would you pray with me all around this room? Heavenly Father. I pray that you would help me to get out of the way here today, that you would speak through me. Lord, we declare today that our, that our minds are open and our hearts are prepared for what you want to do in our lives. And we just ask that through this time of just study and learning, that we would grow closer to you and we would learn more about you. And God, we thank you for it right now. In Jesus' name, we all said amen together. Amen and amen. I love this moment with Jesus because he walks along and he kind of has what I call a Captain Obvious moment. You meet people like this all the time. They're walking along and they say, oh, so you wore green today. It's like, well, thanks, Captain Obvious. Yes, I wore green. Jesus walks along and he sees uh, people mending nets, uh, fishermen, and he walks along and just calls them out and says, hey, I, I want you to follow me. But he makes this statement, follow me is a cool idea because everybody in our world right now wants a follower. Everyone wants someone to follow them. But Jesus doesn't stop with the idea of follow me. He says, if you'll follow me, I'll make you into something. 
He says that there's more to the idea of following. He says that I'll actually make something happen in your life. I love this term, make, because uh, a lot of people are trying to figure out who they are and what they're supposed to become, and are they on purpose in this world? And Jesus walks up to two sets of brothers, uh, Peter and Andrew, James and John, which become the most dynamic people in the ministry of Jesus' life. If you know, the top three are there. We've got Peter, James, and John, everybody. I mean, Jesus was building the ultimate team, and his first group of people that he he calls out, he even gives them nicknames. I like people who give other people nicknames. Jesus Jesus walks up to Simon and says, I'm going to call you Peter. You're going to be the rock, son. You're going to be the rock. I know we've got a famous guy around today who calls himself the rock, but Peter was the original one, everybody. And then Jesus comes along with James and John, and they call James and John the sons of thunder, everybody. Talk about the original wrestling team, everybody. We got the rock and the sons of thunder. You know, like This is where Jesus is. He's beginning his ministry. He says, come follow me. I love the line, I'll make you. I'll make you. I will will make you. I come from a big Italian family, everybody. And when you are a made man, it's kind of scary where I come from, everybody. (laughs) But Jesus walks up and says, I will make you. I I will do something in you. And I think it's a very powerful statement. Because if we are going to befriend sinners, if we are going to care about other people who have issues, we have to do it on purpose. And it's hard to do something on purpose when you're struggling to know your purpose. And so Jesus walks up to these guys and he looks at their practical gift of fishing and he immediately connects the dots with, hey, you have some gifts in your life, but I need to show you that those gifts are more than about fish. I need to show you that there's a purpose even in what you think was just doing it because your daddy did it, because you're the son of Zebedee and you need to fish. No, no, no. Jesus says, no, no, I'm going to show you how that the literal gift you have in your life was given to you on purpose. It was given to you on purpose. You're you're not an accident. You you were made on purpose. And Jesus said, I want to show you how to make that into something that will impact the world around you. Now, I will mention this, and I think pastors are notorious for this. We love to talk about purpose, everybody. We love to talk about, like, uh, hey, you know, God has a plan for your life. My pastor used to say it this way, Jesus loves you, but everybody else really has a plan for your life. (laughs) He would always say, like, God loves you, but everybody else really wants you to do something. I love that when you start to talk about purpose, it can be fun, but it can also be, it can be a daunting task. Because I feel like the idea of purpose is almost like this elusive unicorn, everybody. You hear about it all the time. You you hear the ideas of a unicorn. You you hear the the thoughts about one, like they're beautiful. We have have pictures of unicorns, but we've never actually found one. I think when you start to talk about purpose, it's kind of elusive. This thing like, how do I put it together? I have a young girl, uh, she's seven now, and two years ago she came in. I'm talking about real deal serious, everybody. And, she, and I said, what do, you want for your, what do you want for your birthday, Liv? What do you want? Dad, Dad wants to get you something that you want. And she looked at me and she says, I want a unicorn, Dad. <laughs> Therein lies the problem. You feel, it, you feel the tension immediately because they don't exist. I said, I can get you a pony with a horn if you'd like. I can get you a rhinoceros, I think. Okay, like I, I can get you some things, but it's, it's this idea, a picture of something. But how, how do I connect the dots between what that sounds like and looks like and actually be made into something? See, we live with this tension because we hear these words and they feel good, but then making sense of them is harder than what we realize. 
getting into it. And so today what I want to do is I want to help you to, to discover the elusive unicorn because if you are going to befriend others, you're going to have to piece together your purpose so that you can do something on purpose. Because if you are struggling with something here, your identity, what you were made for, it's going to be really hard to actually give that to someone else. And I think the best way to describe purpose is to tell you what it's not, okay? And so if you would, maybe grab your worship guide or grab something you can write on. If you don't, grab a pen in your hand. Jot some things down. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you some things to remember. I want to tell you four things that your purpose is not. A couple of things that your purpose is not. Here, here's the first. My, my purpose and your purpose is not to be an accident, your purpose is not an accident. Now, I know we live in a very accidental world. You may have even been told by your mom or dad you were an accident, okay? It's the most terrible thing they could ever tell you, but like, hey, we weren't planning on you, but we're happy we have you, okay? That doesn't really feel good, mom or dad, can I just tell you, right? But many of us have had this idea that life is just an accident, and our, our world, we're just evolutionary accidents. That's what we are. I don't know where you were when you were about eight or nine, but there was a moment when I was about eight or nine, I looked in the mirror and I realized my grandfather has this nose. My dad has this nose. My two brothers have this nose. And God forbid, but it's true, my three sisters, I come from a big Italian Catholic family, everybody. They all have this nose. How many of y'all know this nose is not an accident, all right? I don't care how you feel about it, it's not. God gave it to me, all right? This is what Italian men look like where I come from, Right? And so listen, there's this thing that we all deal with. We, we have these moments where we say, what am I going through? And, and, and is my life an accident? I want you to understand that your purpose isn't an accident. Now, there are accidents in the world. I recently walked into Starbucks, and, and I saw an accident walking in the other door. Have you ever done this before? You walked in, and it was early morning. It was like 5.30, 6 o'clock, and I walked in one side of Starbucks, and this other lady walked in the other side. And when she walked in, I could tell that she needed coffee more than I did. Let's be honest, we can see it on people. And she was barreling in, and so I saw her come, and I just tucked in and looked at the chocolates. Everybody's like, I'm going to let her do her thing, right? I'm going to let her. I don't even want to be at the counter right now because she needs coffee and Jesus and coffee and Jesus right now. Like, that's where she is. And So she ordered this big, venti, large, you know, if you're not familiar, the largest coffee you could possibly get. And she comes barreling around the corner. I'm like, okay, it's safe for me to get my coffee, so I'm going to go get mine. She's over there fixing it, and within moments, I don't know what happened, she steps up, and this large coffee just hits the floor. Honey, you've been in that moment. And you're just like, ah, oh, I feel for you, but I saw you coming. <laughs> and, and I love the barista behind the counter. I love, I love this, this young lady. She looked up, and she, she saw the accident happen, and she just said, hey, hey, I got it. I got it. And I, I, I picture her and liken her to be much like Jesus watching James and John uh, working on the nets and dropping their coffee and making problems and their dad's angry with them. And he just walks by and says, hey, if you'll follow me, I'll get you another cup of coffee, all right? If you'll, if you'll come with me, I'll make something out of the mess. She came around the corner and said, I know it was an accident. Here's another cup. Take care of what you need because you need it. I'll clean up. I love this. Our purpose isn't to be an accident. I want to give you a couple more. Our purpose, here's the second. Our purpose isn't to be alone. This is a big one. Our purpose isn't to be alone. Life sometimes is, is very lonely. Our, our, our maybe family going through divorce. Maybe you lost a loved one. I know what that feels like. I'm very near to the six-year anniversary of my older brother passing away. And then every, every time I get to that, I, I remember the early years of our life because he was, a, he was an older brother in the truest sense. And so he aggravated me like crazy. But he loved me. 
We would be in an all-out fight, fussing and going back and forth and struggling with things, and somebody else would say something mean to me, and he'd jump up and he'd fight them for me. It's the kind of brother he was. Man, when he went on to be with the Lord, it left a lonely feeling in my life. And I think for many of us, we've had these moments where we, we, we feel like maybe I'm just here by accident or I'm here to be alone. I just want you to hear this. That's not your purpose. Your purpose isn't to be alone. Your purpose is to be with people, everybody. Your purpose is to be connected and cared for. The first thing that God ever created was a family. He looked at somebody and said, oh, no, you're not, you're not good alone. I need to bring somebody along with this. I need, you need some help in your life because a family is going to create connection and closeness. I love this because it's important to recognize that God doesn't want you to think about and live life as though you are made to be alone. But see, from a very early stage, we go through things that leave us feeling lonely. We go through moments where we feel like it's not working out. How many of y'all remember the first girl or guy you fell in love with? Come on, show me those hands real quick. You remember your first love interest? I was 13, everybody. I know, I know 13, it's not real love, they say, but man, I, I met this girl, she was a year older than me, I was like, I was into older women, everybody. At 13, I was into this older girl, she was 14, and, and I fell in love, and she didn't know it, everybody. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I love you from a distance. I was really into Michelle, blonde hair, curly, almost as good looking as you, Jason, I don't know. And then I found out she was dating an 18-year-old. Man, my heart was broken. You remember those moments? How many of y'all remember your response to that? Because I, I withdrew and I was overwhelmed. Just a, just a young teenager in love or whatever you want to call it, in stupidity maybe. I, don't, I was just there in this moment. And we were old school back then. I don't know. Did anybody remember mixtapes? Mixtapes? Anybody remember? Come on. Like, y'all remember the old Walkmans? Some of y'all don't even know what I'm talking about. Like it was a CD thing, tape thing you wore on your side. If you wanted to listen to music, it wasn't like earbuds and pretty, everybody. You had to run along with this like machine on your side. And it would bounce. And then when CDs came along, it would skip every time. So you had to, you couldn't really jog with any bounce. So you had to kind of do one of these, you know, fast walks. Y'all know what I'm talking about, okay? 13 years old, broke out my mixtape, everybody. Brian Adams and I walking along, remembering the feeling. I think it's real for all of us. We, we go through accidental moments. We go through lonely moments, and they, they kind of brand us, and we say, that's what we're supposed to be. That's what it's supposed to look like. i got to keep on moving. There's a, there's a couple of more. It gets a little bit harder. Here's the third, and that is we think our purpose is this, but it's really not. My, my purpose isn't to be a punching bag. Our culture right now, from social media to interactions with people, we've just kind of engaged in this lifestyle that it's okay to throw punches with our words. It's, it's okay to throw punches in all these environments. And so now we're living life thinking that's just what it's supposed to be. And I just want you to hear this today. Your purpose isn't to be a punching bag. Can I get an amen from somebody in this place? It's just not. And if you've gone through any type of emotional, verbal, or physical abuse, I want you to know that's not God's plan for you. But I also know that we live in a world where hurt people hurt people. And broken people, you know what they tend to do? They tend to break people. And so we're, we're living in this tension between accident, alone, punching bag. And here's the last. If those three aren't enough, we're going to live the rest of our lives doing something we hate. 
We have this idea that our purpose is just to kind of go through life doing something I hate. I got the, the J-O-B. I got to do it. I got to provide. I got to live this way. And, and I just want you to understand that living your life doing something you hate isn't what God intended. He walked up to some brothers and said, you're, you're fishing because your family are, are fishermen and you have to do that. But I want to make you into something that's going to make a difference for the world. I want you to understand that some of the things you learned as a kid aren't, aren't there by accident. They're, they're not there so that you will withdraw. No, no, no. They are there so that you will live it out and so you will remember what it felt like. So that you can walk up to somebody else who is alone doing something that they hate. And say, hey, if you'll follow me, I'll make you into something. See, I, I want you to understand that, that God is this, he, he has this incredible ability of taking those things and turning them for good. But those things were never his intention for our lives. Those experiences weren't things that he wanted us to go through. Those experiences are things that we, we had to go through because of what the world is doing today. See, that was the enemy's plan. That's not God's plan. John 10.10 says the thief's purpose is to kill, steal, and to destroy. Would you read the next line? Jesus said, my purpose, come on, read it with me out loud. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. Read it again. My purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. And if you've gone through the feeling of accident, alone, punching bag, if you've gone through that and that's where you've been, I want you to know you've been living in the enemy's plan for your life. And today the opportunity, the real opportunity, is to get hold of God's plan for your life. Listen to what Jesus said. I want you to listen to these verses because they answer the core issues. These are God's thoughts about you and I. Ephesians 2 and 10 says, for we are God's masterpiece. I like this idea. I don't know about you, accident doesn't feel good to me. When someone says, you're an accident, I like masterpiece. How many of y'all would join me with that? Like, you're a masterpiece. Like, God made you the way that you are. You're on purpose. You're good looking just the way you are. Beauty isn't just in the eye of the beholder. Beauty is given to you by God. He designed you and put you together. I could just stay there the whole time. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. When the world says you're an accident, God steps in and says, oh, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. No, 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 no. Masterpiece. I don't, I don't know what you heard. I want you to hear these words. Because if you want to know the value of something, you have to find the person who created the something. And the creator has said some things about us that's very different than what the world is saying about us. Masterpiece. I mean, I think some of you need to go old school like Saturday Night Live and look into the mirror like, I remember when Michael Jordan was on Saturday Night Live. I'm taking you back a lot of years and had to look in for the therapist and say, I'm good enough. I'm smart enough and doggone it, people like me. Maybe you need to start looking at the mirror and just saying, masterpiece. Come on, made in the image of God. I got a few more for you. I got to keep on going because I'm going to run out of time. Psalm 139 and verse 13 says, You made, God, all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me. 
You think you're alone? God was with you in the womb, everybody. You think you've been living this life withdrawn? No, no, no. God has been present all the way through. I love this. You watched me as I was being formed in utter conclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. See, when, when the world wants you to, to live like what I call a FedEx relationship, everybody. Y'all know what a FedEx relationship is. Huh? You want to order some things, you want them to drop them off, and you want them to go, everybody, right? We have a lot of FedEx relationships in our world. We want them to come by, drop something off, and get out of town, right? But God is saying, no, 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 I'm there. I'm with you. Showing up for you even when you didn't even know I was there. Love this. Jeremiah 1. Just giving you a few truths to let them seep into your heart. He said, this is what God said. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you. A prophet to the nations, that's what I had in mind for you. I love this idea of holy plans. Holy doesn't mean what we think it means. Holy doesn't mean perfect and all put together and everything's right. Holy means that God set you apart as something special. He said, I had special plans for you because you're a masterpiece. You're not an accident. You're on purpose. And I have something bigger for your life than what you've been going through. I love how Jesus says that we are wonderfully complex. When I read those words, I I immediately thought of my wife, everybody. I, I am uh, one of six children. I have three sisters. And what I know is women are wonderfully complex, everybody. Come on now. If you're a lady in the room, you better say amen right now. It's the truth, okay? I don't have the skills. I don't have the emotional capability. I don't, I, listen, listen you, my wife is far superior, everybody. We get in an argument, I just concede. Some of you husbands are like, stop right now. I'm like, no, no, I'm just like, no, no. she's got gifts I don't have. What I want you to understand is that God is walking by and he's saying, follow me and I'll make you back into what I intended you to be. Follow me and I'll get you back to let you, where you can let go of the, the loneliness, where you can let go of the accidental life, where you can let go of these things. You can grab hold of what God really intended for you. There's a young couple in our church that they were passionate, passionate about having children. They wanted and believed, and she believed that her, her calling in life was to bring beautiful babies into the world. And she, you talked to her. She was passionate about it. And, man, can I tell you, it was a terribly hard ride early in their marriage because she felt this desire and he felt this desire to have children. And they went through just, I mean, nine miscarriages, everybody. Fertility treatment after fertility treatment. You name the option. They went through the option. They, they did everything they could to afford it. They went through it time and time and time again. And, and I remember sitting with them, no children, nine miscarriages. And her just tears in her eyes saying, I, I believe that I was made for this. And wrestling with the pain. You fast forward the story a few years and, and they're just staying faithful and pursuing God and practicing making babies, everybody. Come on now, right? You don't know what that means? All right, help me. They just kept on trying. 
I'm going to keep showing up. That's what he said. I said, I'd do that too. <laughs> I'm going to keep practicing until, we, until God opens the door. And then all of a sudden, uh, she gets pregnant. Everything goes well. She has a child. Miracle moment. She goes down a, a little bit further. Second child, everybody. Like after nine miscarriages, second child, healthy baby, no problems. Like full term. I mean, it's just beautiful. And they're like, if that's not enough, third child. And he's like, oh, praise God. God, you have answered my prayers. He said, I'm done. We're great. We got three. What a miracle. How many of y'all know God had more in plan for them? She is pregnant right now with twins, everybody. I mean, she's walking around. She's such a stick, like really thin young lady. She's got this belly that's just like, you watch out. She will knock you out walking down the hall, everybody. This past Easter, I mean, we're preparing for Easter. This past Easter, they told their story. And they talked about how God took the pain of their past and connected it to their purpose in life. How that God took the pieces of accident, unwanted, broken, not fulfilled, and God connected the dots to those pieces and showed them how their life would, would make a difference in the life of someone else. And they took all the broken pieces and they put together a beautiful picture of how God can answer prayers, how God can change lives. And today, I just want you to know that whatever the broken pieces of your life look like, Jesus is walking by and screaming to the top of his lungs at Sozo Church. He's saying, follow me. Follow me. And I'll make something out of all of that brokenness. I'll take all of those pieces and I'll put them together. And the world won't know what to do when you walk by with that big belly. The doctors will say, we made a mistake. And you'll say, no, no, no. I serve a God of miracles. I want you to hear me today. Clearly, clearly that God, God is gracious and loving and kind. And he is wanting to take those pieces. How many of y'all remember Connect the Dots when you were a kid? Remember Connect the Dots? Uh, you had to count well if you wanted to do this well, everybody, right? <laughs> and if you couldn't count, Connect the Dots was murder is what it was, okay? Because you had to go from one to two and you draw the line, right? You draw the line. When you began, it just looked like a bunch of dots. It looked like a mess on a page. But you would draw from line one to line two to line three to line four, and you would get to the end of it, and you had a beautiful unicorn is what you had, everybody. Some of y'all are with me from the beginning. You know where I'm going, right? You were able to bring it back. You took all the pieces, and God made something out of it. It's one of the most famous verses in the Bible. You know it, Romans 8 and 28. The Apostle Paul says, and we know. Hey, what do we know? Hey, Sozo, what do we know? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. As I close, I want to I give you some practical steps. I'm just a few minutes away. We're going to pray together. And I'm not going to labor these points, but if, you are, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to allow him to make some things, you're going to have to take some steps. Would you write them down with me? These are practical. These are important. I believe that you've got to know what to do when you leave here. You can't just be inspired. You've got to know what to do. Here's the first thing you need to do. Number one, you need to go, uh, you need to develop a personal relationship with Jesus. You need to know him personally, everybody. First and most important thing is you've got to go from someone who's watching him walk by to hearing Jesus saying, hey, John, hey, Andrew, I'm calling you to a relationship. See, religion has messed this up so much. Jesus is walking by you right now. 
and he's calling your name, saying, I, I want to know you. I want to know you. That's the first and most important thing you need to do. You need to know him personally. Here's the second thing you need to do. You need to go public with God, everybody. You need to go public with God because if you know him personally, you're going to have to go public with him. I don't know what happened here, everybody, but y'all are wondering what's going on on the screen right here. Point one got transposed with earlier is point one. So point one is know God personally. Would you write that down? Know God personally. Number two is go public with God. Go public with God. Because here's the deal. No one is going to run with you if you're unwilling to claim them in public. Come on, have you, anybody here got a girlfriend or boyfriend and you walk up to your friend group and they say, hey, this is my friend? And you're looking at them and you're like, when you were kissing me earlier, I was more than a friend. And now we're in here and we're like, like I'm a side chick? You know, what are you doing right now? That's it. And, you know, and, and no, no, what you're saying, listen, if you don't claim me in public, I'm not claiming you in public. And this is where Jesus is in the world because there are lots of people who want to pray a prayer and have a little fire insurance. But when it comes down to it, you got to step up and say, I've been, I've been with him. I've been a follower. And you got to go public. And, and listen, there's nothing greater than water baptism to go public. It's the wedding band of Christianity, everybody. It's walking by saying, hey, everybody, I'm going MC Hammer on you. Can't touch this. Come on, listen, I ain't got the pants for it today. I'm not going to even try, everybody. But I just want you to know, I want you to understand that the wedding ring is declaring that I am someone's and she is mine. And if you want God to walk along and, not, and go beyond follower to making you into something, you're going to have to know him personally. You're going to have to go public with God. Here's the number three. You're going to have to connect with God's people. I love that Jesus didn't walk up and say, Andrew, do it on your own. James, do it on your own. No, no, no. He said, I'm calling you together because you can't, you can't do life alone. You just can't do it alone. And you're going to have to open up your heart at some point to say, hey, I was that accident. I was that broken person. See, today what you're looking at is a preacher's kid who swore, swore that I'd never be a preacher. Y'all see how successful I was, right? I literally, at 16 years old, cussed out my dad. That's how we say it in South Louisiana, everybody. We cussed him out. Y'all know what I'm talking about, right? I, I use words I cannot say in church today. I'll never do this with my life. But when I begin to connect with God, and I begin to go public with God, and I begin to spend time with the people of God, something changed, everybody. Something changed. I began to realize that, that we could do things differently and see God move. I got a couple more real fast. Number four, I want you to discover God's purpose. Discover God's purpose. I will make you. Hey, you want to be a made woman? You want to be a made man in the kingdom of God? You want to be a part of God's family? He says, I will make something out of the mess. And if you don't know how to do that, that's why we're here. See, there are some people who have gone before you. Leaders aren't perfect people. They just one step ahead of you and said, hey, that one works really well. Take that step. You'll, you'll be fine. And there are some people here that will walk you through the growth track. They'll, they'll help you to take some steps into the purpose of God. Those classes simply designed 
to help you discover what God has placed inside of you because your design helps to reveal your destiny, everybody. Come on, y'all hear me today. Your design helps to reveal your destiny. You think you're outgoing just to be outgoing. No, no, God made you outgoing so you'd be a friend of sinners. God, God gave you that gift for a reason. You think the greeter at the door is just a greeter at the door. No, no, no. They're there to high five, to relax, and to inspire people to have fun. I could spend too much time there. Let's close. Here's the last. Number five. You got to go all in. You just got to go all in. In both instances, Andrew and Peter, James and John, there's this word. It says immediately, immediately, they left it all. Immediately. And here's what I want you to, I want you to understand today as we close. That if you're going to give Jesus a try, I'm not even inviting you to give religion a try. I'm done with that. I want to know him. I want to be close to him. If you're going to give it a try, you're going to at least have to give Jesus as good a try as you gave sin, everybody. Come on, I'll say that again. You're, you tried some things. How many of y'all tried some things? Come on, give me those hands real quick. You tried some things? Come on. I drank some things. I smoked some things. I did some things. I'm not proud of. I fell in love at 13, everybody. It didn't go well, all right? Like, I have done some things. But here's the deal. When I decided to go all out for Jesus, that's when it all changed. Today, I want to invite you to do that. Would you bow with me? Come on, all around this room. Just for a moment of reflection and prayer. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Just for a moment. Here's the question. Here's the question. Where are you with God? Today, if you died, heaven forbid, today if something happened to you, are you sure of where you would spend eternity? Do you know him so well that you are at peace with where you would go? And today, if you're unsure, Jesus said, I can help you to be sure. You're one prayer away from allowing a life change to begin, to meeting him. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to ask you to stand. I'm not going to ask you to come to the front, but right there in your seat, if you're far from God for any reason, I don't care if you are religious, if you're far from him for any reason, would you pray this prayer with me? Would you whisper the words? Come on, just you and him right there where you are. Say these words right after me. Lord Jesus, I'm giving you my life. And today I'm asking you to be my Lord and my Savior. God, would you forgive me of my sin? Would you give me the power to follow you all the days of my life? In Jesus' name. I'm going to stay focused on prayer just a moment longer. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that you would help us to be followers that are made into something dynamic and, and powerful. God, I pray that you would just release your purpose in our lives. That, God, we would be friends of sinners. That we would be friends of those who are far from you. That, God, you would do a miracle not only in our lives, but in the lives of those all, who are all around us. God, I pray your blessing upon Sozo Church. Let this Easter be a miracle weekend. God, I pray let this season be a miracle time. And God, what we say to you is we'll steward it well. We'll serve well. We'll show up well. We'll go all in for you, God. And we thank you for it today. In Jesus' mighty name. Come on, we all shout it, amen.